What's up, friends? Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome back to the Well That's Good podcast. Y'all, I am so excited for today because we have a treat. We have someone who I know most of you know. If you do not know her yet, get ready because for the next year, you could dive into all the resources that she has. But we're specifically going to be talking about her newest book, Good Boundaries and Goodbyes. We have Lisa Turkers on the podcast today. And Lisa, I am so thankful that you're taking the time to be on the Well That's Good podcast again. Well, thank you, Sadie. It's always a joy to be with you. And I'm just honored to get to have a few minutes just to talk about a subject I'm really passionate about. Yes. Gosh, it's a gift. And I always say this. um, I don't always say this because I really say this when I mean it. Whenever I get to prepare for these podcasts, you know, um, it's always so encouraging to me and I really get to gain a lot of advice. But specifically for you, um, the last time you were on the podcast, preparing for your podcast, I learned so much in the process of the preparation. And then today, um, I got to dive in and I, I was supposed to have something else. And I texted him. I said, you got to cancel that. I'm too into this right now. I was reading the book and watching interviews from you and just learning so much. And so what a gift it is for me to get to learn from you. And now for everybody on this podcast, so I just want to say to everyone listening, um, I hope you're in a place where you can really listen because I know you're going to learn something today um, about boundaries and you have so much to talk about. Before we get into that, give us a little... Um, brief picture into what led you into writing this book so people have an understanding of of where you where you've been well i think anytime there's chaos in a relationship it's usually because of a lack of a boundary and i had just been experiencing unusual amounts of chaos in a couple of different relationships in my life relationships that were really important but specifically in one of my most important relationships and I kept feeling so powerless because I couldn't get the other person to cooperate with changes that I really felt were needed. And, you know, Sadie, I'd hit that point where I I started saying, I just can't take this anymore. Like something has to change. The problem is if you are the only person willing to change and the other person is not, you can start to feel really stuck and like, this relationship is just becoming more and more impossible, possibly even unsustainable. And when that happens, I think we're tempted to jump to extremes. It's like we take it and take it and take it until all of a sudden one day we can no longer take it. And we don't want to live in extremes with our relationships. So boundaries help bring us back to the middle and give us something to do if the other person isn't cooperating with the changes we deem are necessary. Yeah. Wow. That's okay. So already this is so good. And I'm like, I'm, I'm a podcast listener where I listen to people's podcasts and I have to stop and rewind the 30 seconds and 30 seconds to listen to that again. And some of you guys might want to do that because it just set the tone so well. And I love how you said, you know, where there is chaos, there is normally lack of boundaries. So that's a good thing to look for in your relationships. Just a generic question. Do you think that every relationship needs boundaries or boundaries particularly for relationships that are chaotic? Well, you know, I do believe every relationship, it needs boundaries, but it they need healthy boundaries, yeah. you know? And it's good to define, like, this is you and this is them. It, it's not good when the two people just become so enmeshed that you can't see where the separation is. And, you know... Obviously, in a marriage, God says the two have become one, but 
also there are still two individuals there too. So, you know, the marriage makes us one, but inside the marriage, there are still two individuals. And Sadie, I learned a lot by asking this question. Is God okay with boundaries? Because I think what tripped me up for so long is I didn't have the spiritual or biblical confidence or the emotional fortitude to know that it really is not only good for a Christian woman to have boundaries, but it's healthy for her to have boundaries. And what started as a big question, is God okay with boundaries, led me into the Bible where right from Genesis 1, I see that God established the foundation of the world using separations, which are boundaries. He separated the light from the dark. He separated the land from the sea. And so already we're seeing that boundaries are not just a good idea. They're actually God's idea. And then, of course, we get into Genesis 2. And of all the topics God could have chosen for the first recorded conversation between God and man with Adam, Um, God chose the topic of a boundary and he said, you are free. So he set this boundary conversation in the context of freedom. And this is important when you ask me the question, you know, do all relationships need boundaries? Yes, because it's for the sake of establishing where the freedom is. If we establish the boundaries, then you know that you can be free inside the relationship. Do this, but but don't take it this far. And so, yes, I think all healthy relationships have boundaries. Good. Well, I'm definitely learning a lot about boundaries and just um, and, and just the purpose behind boundaries with having a daughter, you know, um, setting boundaries on, hey, you can't do that because that will get you in trouble because that has consequences because that will hurt you. And um, you really see God's heart in the boundaries he has for us as you become a parent and set boundaries for your kids to not get hurt. And I've heard you say before that like love has to be the motive behind the boundaries. And I thought that was really good. Can you break down like some other examples of reasons why, I guess, motives behind boundaries that aren't healthy other than love and what that can look like? Because I love how you can, you kind of specify this is setting boundaries in an unhealthy way to even set boundaries. But when they're, the motive is love, it's a really beautiful thing. It is. When the motivation is love, really what boundaries are, um, boundaries are great communication opportunities, you know, so that you can communicate within a relationship. This is what I have to give and this is what I don't have to give. And this is this is what is acceptable. This is not acceptable. And it's not because you're being selfish. Now, certainly, if being selfish is the motivation, then that's not a healthy boundary. But all humans have limitations and because we have limitations, we have a certain amount of capacity in, in different areas of our life. We have a physical capacity. We have a financial capacity. We have a relational capacity, emotional. So when we have limitations within our capacities, not because we're selfish, but because we're human, hmm. only God has an unlimited supply of all areas of capacity. So really, communication should be the motivation behind the boundaries, but also protection. In some situations, we draw healthy boundaries, not because we're just trying to communicate a need, but also because the situation has gotten to the place where now it's a safety issue. And so boundaries allow for some protection. But I would say unhealthy boundaries, instead of motivating, being motivated by love, which is seeking each other's highest good, 
I would say the motivation can sometimes be punishment. You know, if motive if your boundary is motivated by trying to punish the other person or teach them a lesson or to manipulate them or control them, that is not a correct motivation for a boundary. That will lead to unhealthy boundaries, which then will lead to even more unhealthy dynamics within the relationship. Spring is a great time to start something new, right? So whether it's cleaning or a new hobby or a new audiobook, a good story is always a great way to start a new journey and Audible has all that you need. I come from a family of great storytellers, so I know Audible is the home of storytelling, which is where I want to be. Audible lets you enjoy all your favorite audio entertainment together in one app. There's always something new to discover or you can rediscover some of your old favorites. Audible has an incredible selection of audiobooks from every genre like bestseller, new releases, memoirs, mysteries, and thrillers, business, and more. It is the destination for mind-blowing entertainment with selections of mystery and thrillers that will keep your heart racing. And with next listen recommendations, there's always something irresistible at your fingertips. Plus, members get full access to a huge and growing selection of included audiobooks and audible originals and even podcasts like, well, that's good. So you can download them or stream them anytime, anywhere. Audible members can also pick one title each month to keep from the entire catalog, which is some serious benefits, y'all. The newly included selection of titles makes your Audible membership even more valuable and gives you the chance to discover your next favorite thing. With thousands of titles available, you're definitely going to find something that you love all in one convenient app. So I know some of you are into, you know, thrillers, crime, mystery. And I got to be honest, that's not really been my thing. So I told Bella, okay, Bella, tell me what I could like listen to that wouldn't scare me, but I would like be into it. And she told me about this title called The Last Thing He Told Me by Laura Dave. And so I started it and John Luke loved it too. And so I'm just not on the cusp of it. And y'all, let me tell you, it is very entertaining. You do want to listen to see what happened next. So if y'all are into that, Audible is a great place to find those too. New members can try Audible now for free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash Woe or just text Woe to 500-500. That's audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash Woe or text Woe to 500-500 to try Audible for free for 30 days. Wow, that's so good. That's because that happens a lot. I mean, I can think of past relationships, even dating relationships that I was in that When I look back and I look at the way I even did things, I was thinking I was trying to like stand up for myself, but even the way that I was doing it, it was not leading us to any type of good or healthy thing. And so I think that's a really good thing to establish like what is um, my motivation behind this. And again, like looking at all of the boundaries that God set for us, they really are out of love. And one of my favorite verses is in Jeremiah, and I have a wave tattoo um, because of this verse. But it talks about how, and this is very much paraphrasing, but the Lord's basically saying, do you not know that I'm the Lord? Do you not know that um, I put a boundary line in the sand so that the waves could not uh, pass over it? And I always thought that was just such a powerful visual that... um, Gosh, when you look at the waves and they they seem chaotic at times, they can seem crazy, especially in a storm. But then you look at the sand and it's like, man, that is a boundary line set by God that no matter how crazy the waves get, it will not pass over this boundary line that he set before us. Um, And I always just felt really loved by that. And then when I go and stand 
by this, like on the sand and I look at the ocean. When you stop to think about that for a second, this is a massive body of water and you can start to feel really, really small. And it's really, really humbling because you know that could overtake you in a second. But to know that God set this as a boundary and you can sit there and enjoy a peaceful moment by um, a massive, magnificent ocean. I mean, you feel so protected by the creator. And when you think about that in your relationships, you know, things can feel crazy and chaotic and all these things, but to set a good boundary is to um, bring peace into a chaotic moment to a chaotic uh maybe lifestyle at one time now we're now we're shifting gears we're, we're walking towards healthier steps so i just think that is a great thing to to identify one thing that you say and i think that this is important and i think that this is something that um, probably needs to be said is you talk about how there's a difference between making a mistake and a pattern of something um, because everybody's going to make mistakes. So when do you feel like you can start to notice this isn't just a one-time thing, this is something that I actually need to deal with? Well, I think you can start to sense the level of chaos in the relationship because, you know, when it's a mistake, that can be a, an addressed situation. So you can come together, you can have a conversation about it. Um, you can find some reasonable solutions so that the mistake doesn't keep happening. You can make reasonable requests and you can also even if a if a boundary is needed, which basically means we're going to communicate about what is and is not acceptable here, then you know that you're making progress when you're able to have a healthy, productive conversation around that. And it may not be that everything turns out exactly the way you want it, but at least you're moving the relationship forward. So that's a mistake. And everybody makes mistakes. Everybody needs grace, right? But when this is a pattern of behavior, that really means that the other person starts to demonstrate that they are unwilling or incapable of making healthy changes that are needed and necessary to keep the relationship safe, sustainable, and to help keep both parties within the relationship safe. Yeah. Because we can really start to feel like you're going crazy when a relationship starts to become filled with so much turmoil that there's just dysfunction in the relationship. Yeah. So when it's a pattern of behavior, you'll start to see that maybe the other person is unwilling to be repentant for that mistake, is unwilling to get maybe some necessary help that they need for that mistake, maybe is unwilling to even talk to you about what's going on or accusing you that you're the crazy one and that it's just not happening what you sense is happening. So a pattern is something that you really have to pay attention to. And, you know, Sadie, I lived in denial of this for a long time in a really important relationship in my life. I, I have told my friends, sometimes I need help calling a red flag red because my personality is such that I, I desire peace yeah. so much that sometimes a flag has to be burning to the ground before I actually tilt my head and go, huh, that's a little red, isn't it? Wow. And then the other mistake that I make when, when a pattern exists is I keep thinking, well, if I just hold on a little bit longer, the pattern is going to fix itself. Wow. If, if, I, if I just say four more prayers or I just uh, go and read yeah. one more book or if I go to one more conference. And the thing is, 
we can do all of that. But in the context of a relationship, both people have to agree to work on what they're contributing to the dysfunction in the relationship. And if you're the only one working, then a mistake that I've made with boundaries is then I try to put a boundary on the other person because I see things like I recognize the patterns of dysfunction that need to be addressed. But that was a wrong tactic to try to put a boundary on another person because if they're unwilling or incapable of changing, you will only create temporary change using external pressure of a boundary to try to make the other person wake up or to make the other person acknowledge they need help or to make the other person um, make changes because ultimately we can't control or change another person. It's kind of like if we were together, Sadie, and one of us had a cardiac event, we would obviously jump in and do CPR to create some life there, you know, to sustain life for a little season. But using that external pressure it is a temporary solution if that person's heart does not quicken and beat on its own you can't sustain life using that external pressure never have you seen two friends walking around a mall one doing cpr on the other and think wow you know that's a sustainable relationship (laughs) and the same is true with boundaries so we don't want to put a boundary on another person to try to force them to change What we have to recognize is we need to draw boundaries around ourselves, and we need to make adjustments for ourselves so that we can stay safe, sane, and sustainable within that relationship. Wow. That's so good. Gosh, that's so helpful. I just can't help but think there's a lot of people listening to this right now and their ears are like, wait a second, this is my story. And maybe they've never even realized, like you said, um, sometimes it's hard to tell that the flag is red because you're in denial you're trying to make something work. And I mentioned I was in a relationship for a long time that was just really unhealthy and I would do the same thing. And I remember one of the patterns that I saw in that relationship is every time I would be upset and come to this person and share why I was upset or whatever, it would always end somehow with me being the problem and then feeling crazy and me apologizing. And it was like, wait, what? I like, I'd think about it later. Like I, I came to them and now how did it, how does it always, always, always turn on me? And then I'm so confused and there's so much craziness. And um, I think for a long time, I just thought that's just how relationships were. Like they were just hard and they were just um, took a lot of work and it's true. Relationships are hard and can take work, but there's a difference in it being a dysfunctional relationship. And um, one that I think in marriage, it's different at times because yes, those are the ones that you you put in the work to until, until you can't or as long as you can. But when you're dating, I think it's so important to see those patterns and those red flags and to notice I don't have to commit to this forever. This is not healthy. This is something that I need to walk away from. I love um, that you brought up the verse in your book, which has gotten me a lot of times as well, where it says, if at all possible, you know, make bring peace um, in the situations around you. And again, I'm, I'm botching exactly what it says, but that if at all possible, I'm going to bring peace. And I stayed in a couple of different relationships, not even just with guys. I'm talking about friendships too, mentorships, where I'd be like, if at all possible, I can do more. I can push more. I can stay longer. I can have another conversation. Like you said, read another book, whatever it is. And like, I can make this work. But, but I love how you said you had this epiphany of the if at all possible. Talk to me about that epiphany you had, because I think this is really huge. 
Yeah, because sometimes it's not possible. And, and we can only work as far as it belongs to us, like as far as it depends on us. So we can do our part, but we cannot do our part in their part. Yeah. And so, you know, I would imagine if I was listening to the podcast right now, I would go, okay, I hear you. How in the world do I not put boundaries on other people, but I put boundaries on myself? And how is that actually going to help the relationship? Well, let me give you a really important epiphany that I had one day when I was studying scripture and I was asking the question again, you know, is God okay with boundaries? And so I gotten through Genesis one and two and I felt like, yeah, I'm getting some traction here. I do believe that boundaries are not just a good idea. They're actually God's idea. But when I got to the point in the Bible where God is establishing the temple, I was absolutely blown away by the revelation of two crucial words access and responsibility. You see, when God established a temple, he gave certain people access, but not all people all access. And it wasn't because this group of people was more valuable than this group of people. It's that the more access God granted to someone, the more responsibility they were required. Wow. All the way to the high priest, the high priest was required to demonstrate the highest level of responsibility, and he was given the high access of once a year being able to go into the Holy of Holies to make atonement for the people. But if he was not responsible, if he was not absolutely purified and absolutely cleansed, then he his, the consequence for that kind of access would be that he would drop dead because of his impurities. And so it started, it started me thinking, Wow, I think one of my issues is that I have granted too much access to certain people to areas of my limited capacity. Like if I'm granting someone great access to my financial capacity, but they are not being responsible with the kind of access I've granted them, then I run the risk of going bankrupt, Yeah. right? Yeah. And so... Here's the mistake I used to make. Okay, let's say I'm giving level 10 access to someone and they're only bringing level three responsibility. I used to try to put a boundary on them to get them to raise their responsibility level up to match level 10 access. But we can't ultimately control another person. If this person is unwilling or incapable of demonstrating anything more than level three responsibility, then I must draw a boundary around myself and reduce the access I grant them down to level three, because of that I can be in charge of me. And you know, God never calls wow. us in the Bible to control other people, wow. but God absolutely says a fruit of his spirit in us is to be self-controlled. Hmm. Reducing access is an example of being self-controlled. Wow, that is so good. I love that right there, that he doesn't ever call you to control other people, but he does call you to self-control. That is really powerful. My mom used to always tell me like in high school, whenever you know it would just be drama stuff, and she would just always say, Sadie, you can only control you. And that's so true that the Spirit of God is given, there's a fruit of the Spirit that is self-control control. And so I love that. You have some statements in the book, um, the we can statements. And I love how they're all followed up with scripture and through his word. Talk to me a little bit about those uh, we can statements, because I think it's really powerful to apply to our life along with scripture. Well, I think when you're in a really difficult relationship, we start focusing on all the things that are not possible because the other person is not cooperating. But with God, 
all things are possible. And so we may not be able to make all things possible with this person, but we can step in and remind ourselves like we can demonstrate self-control because God's spirit is within us. Good. You know, one activity that I did that was very, very helpful, and it seems so basic, and I don't know why it took me over 50 years. <laughs> Sadie, I'm old, okay? <laughs> it took me over 50 years to come to this realization. But one day I decided, okay, I want to list out a description of Lisa, myself, the best of me. Like when I'm operating as the best of me, what qualities are there? Because God's spirit is inside of me. Obviously, I have the fruit of the spirit. But when I'm operating at my best, God has created me uniquely. And so what does that look like? Well, I listed I'm generous. I'm kind. I'm peaceful. I'm patient. Um, I'm trusting. You know, all those things are very present when yeah. I'm at my best. When I'm at, when I'm at my worst, the list looks very different. Wow. I start to become impatient, skeptical, not trusting, a whole lot less generous, maybe even stingy. And I start to withdraw rather than press in. And so then I ask myself the question, which version of Lisa do I want to stay front and center in my relationships? Well, obviously, I want the best version of me to right. stay front and center. And because I want that, it is my job to remain self-controlled enough so that the best version of me can be front and center. When I am frazzled, fractured, pushed to my limit, pushed over my capacity, operating at a zero, the worst of me comes out. And it is my responsibility to control that. And within the context of a relationship, I need to remember only I can control my actions. No one else is going to step in and do that for me, but using the power of God's spirit in me and me using wisdom for myself, I want to love others well without losing the best of who I am. Therefore, boundaries are going to be necessary, not only necessary, but healthy. Mm, that is so good. Oh my gosh, I love that. Just for people listening, um, I love whenever we don't just listen to a podcast, so we apply it to our life. And you know, this whole podcast is based off of good advice. And that is really good advice that she just gave to everyone to go and do that. Go take the time. Um, if you're 25, 16, 32, however old you are, um, go do it. Because I think that that is a great thing to identify. I'm going to go do that when I get home. Think about what is the healthy version of me that I bring to relationship? What is unhealthy? Because I think even then you can you can see it for what it is. You can line it up and look at your life and say, am I am I giving more of this or, or more of that? And normally it's obvious, but sometimes it takes you calling yourself out. I think that there are certain things in our life, and you just said it, that only you have the power to change, to control, and the Holy Spirit in you is going to convict you. He's your accountability in that, but it's your job to listen and to be willing to change and to be willing to put in the work. And that's one of those things. And so that's so good. Um, I also just have to say, you don't look old. And um, you and my mom, I think y'all's next book needs to be How to Look Young and Stay Young because y'all are both crushing it. Um, <laughs> Oh, Sadie, you, I know you saw the video when your mom and I, um, we took a trip together. We were in the Bahamas and we decided to try <laughs> yes. the rope swing. Yes. And it was just, 
in our mind, it was one of those moments in our mind, we looked so awesome. But when we watched the video back later, it was so terrible. It was so bad. Oh my gosh. I'm going to have to get my mom to send me that and put it in this podcast for those watching on YouTube because I I know the feeling of when something looks epic in your mind. And I know y'all felt like we are in the Bahamas road swinging, but it was probably one mile per hour. It was oh, hilarious. Yeah. It, it was absolutely hilarious. But my point is sometimes we just have to feel young <laughs> and then we exude a more young feeling around us. So <laughs> yeah, great. I, yeah. Love I love your mom so much. She's the most fun in the world. Y'all are awesome. I, I remember when y'all took that trip and y'all have gone on a couple different trips with Shelly Giglio and the other Lisa. <laughs> and I always tell mom, if I could be a fly on the wall at one of y'all's <laughs> trips, I would just love it. It's just so fun. Y'all need oh, to, you really would. You need oh, to you invite the it. daughters one time. The daughters need to be able to join one of these trips. Okay. Well, in the past, we have drawn a boundary that said we need time, <laughs> oh, no. adult time. But you know what, Sadie? I think it is time that we lessen that boundary and invite the daughters in because yes. it's time that we pass the fun young torch on to the daughters. Here's how you do it. <laughs> yes. Open the door for us. I love it. Gosh. Okay. I, I have a couple of things, just a couple more things I want to talk to you about. A couple quotes. Uh, one from the book that was maybe my favorite, my favorite thing that you said, because I love whenever you can see Jesus go through something that you go through and you realize how much he can really relate to the feelings that you you felt. And this quote came right after you talked about all the goodbyes that Jesus had to say or people said to him. Peter, you know, denying Jesus, Judas obviously being a epic goodbye and denial and painful thing. And you quote you said this, I quoted it, even when people turned on Jesus, he didn't let a goodbye turn him into someone he was never meant to be. Thought that was just so good because I was like, wow, he really did experience that um, to the fullest of its of its pain, but it didn't change him. And so when we were talking about goodbyes, I mean, this book is good boundaries and goodbyes. Um, talk a little bit about how you don't let a goodbye absolutely take away all of the goodness of who you are. Well, I'm so glad you brought this up, Sadie, because I think this is one of the most important lessons that we can take away from this book. I think we have to remember that Jesus was absolute divinity, but he was also full humanity at the same time, which means Jesus was sinless, but he was very much sinned against. Wow. And so when we think about that, we, we can watch Jesus's life and Jesus drew boundaries and they were for such a good purpose and and we see that jesus withdrew sometimes from the crowd to go to a lonely place to to recharge and to regroup and to pray with his father you know and he had the pressure on him to be the savior of the world and yet we don't see any indication of jesus running through life and trying to help all people at all times you know we see him walking places we see him having well wow. sometimes he preached to the crowd but many times he had conversations with individuals or he sat around a table and so even though jesus had the pressure on him to be the savior of the world he was very much in tune with the limitations of a human body and wow. i think that that's important for us to remember and you know i think one is one bible verse that people sometimes can 
weaponize against someone trying to draw healthy boundaries. It's, well, Jesus laid down his life for his friends. I mean, Jesus modeled it. So, and he called us to lay down our life for our friends. So how does that jive with a boundary? That just doesn't seem to walk hand in hand with that. And here's what I would say. Yes, Jesus laid down his life to accomplish a high and holy purpose. He did not lay down his life to enable bad behavior to continue. Wow. Whoa, that's good. Whoa, that is good. There's a total, a big difference in the two of those things. And for those of you who are in situations where maybe that verse, you know, has been something that you might have taken as your inspiration to let someone walk all over you or say an unhealthy thing. Um, I think that's a, a really good thing for you guys to hear. And if someone's hearing that and realizing the difference of the two different things and, and for so long, they convince themselves they're doing this for the right reasons, because sometimes we can do that. It's like we have the right intention or uh, motive for it, but it's still the wrong decision. Um, what do you do in that? Do you recommend going to counseling? Do you like, what's the first step when you realize you're in a really bad relationship and you need help? Well, one thing that I did throughout the book, Sadie, is I included some checklists just to kind of take an assessment and become in tune with what is the reality that I'm facing here. And, you know, my counselor, Jim Cress, always says that mental health is a commitment to reality at all costs. So if we're going to be committed to healthy relationships, then we need to be committed to what is reality. And a couple of things on that checklist that that maybe someone could start to think about is where are you diminishing the best of who you are to cover up for the worst of who someone else is? Wow. Where are you telling a version of an experience with this person to your friends that tidies up some of the really hard things that you're going through rather than just stating what's happening. You know, where are you possibly in your mind trying to paint a picture where you're actually in love with someone's potential, but you refuse to acknowledge that the potential that they have is not the reality of what you're experiencing with that person. So there's some really good checklists throughout the book that I think will help people take steps, not leaps. And that's the main thing. When we start to feel like this relationship has gone from being difficult to destructive, then a goodbye needs to be considered. And, you know, but, but I'm so careful to say like, look, we need to fight for our relationships but we also need to acknowledge reality. And sometimes we do need wise counselors, wise friends, um, biblical, biblically minded people around us to help us and take steps, not leaps. You know, I'm never, ever going to advocate like, okay, your marriage is difficult, then go get a divorce. That Mm -hmm. is not at all. I am a proponent of marriage. I love the way that God brings two people together in a marriage. And if it were my choice, I would still be married to this day. But here was my reality. I stayed in a marriage for a really long time that I refused to acknowledge had become destructive. And one day I had a counselor sit across from me and look at me and said, Lisa, if you stay in this relationship another year, I do not think you will be alive in a year. Wow. And so Sadie, I thought it was really important to acknowledge that sometimes relationships have gotten to such an unbiblical place that they start to become very unsustainable. 
And again, we need to take steps, not leaps. But here's what's absolutely crucial to remember, that God absolutely loves you. And God has provided a way for sometimes for us to not stay in unsustainable relationships. And you know what? That instruction is all through the Bible. And for some reason, I had just never been taught that. So it was crucial for me to show people in the Bible where God provides uh, a choice for us in an unsustainable relationship. And God teaches us how to say a goodbye. And, um, wow. and so I also walk people through in the book. One of my favorite sections is called A Million Little Funerals. And so, you know, when we start thinking about changes in a relationship, whether it's a goodbye or whether we just need to draw boundaries, it will cost us something. And when it costs us something, there will be grief associated with that. So we have to become in tune with the grief that could possibly be around changes in a relationship. And um, the last thing I'll say about that is, Sadie, I, for so long, I didn't want to be a divorced woman so, so much so that I kept saying to myself, I refuse to walk away. I refuse to walk away. I refuse to walk away. And there were some really good reasons that I was doing that, but there were also some really unhealthy reasons as well. And one day I feel like God revealed to me, Lisa, you're not walking away. You are accepting reality. Hmm. Wow. My gosh, that is like so helpful that you just shared so much of that. And I just want to say thank you for sharing some of the like hard realities of that situation because I was just thinking about how in other seasons of my life, if I would have been sitting here interviewing you on this podcast, I would literally be weeping because you would be l exposing my story, you know? Um, and even your checklist, I was like, yep, 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 been there, been there, been there. Um, and so for people listening, please know um, – this is something both of us have walked through in different capacities in different relationships that we've been in destructive relationships. And I love the difference between difficult and destructive. Um, you know, I have not been in a relationship recently or not in a relationship currently that is destructive. There are difficult moments, but not destructive. And I think back to past and there were so many destructive and I walked through counseling and I remember um, one of the things that a counselor did with me and I thought it was so good is um, because I would always try to paint the picture to make it seem better than it was when I would tell it all the stories or whatever and um, or try to defend them or whatever. And she said, we are going to make a case for you. And this is not for anybody else. It's for you to have. And she was like, I want you to write down like the true story. And she helped me do it. She wrote it down for me so I couldn't erase or scratch off or manipulate it. And I just told her the story and she wrote it down for what it was. And she said, now you have it for what it is. Do not go back. Like, remember, this is the story because I would so try to make it better, always better than it was. And so I think just that honesty with yourself and where you're at and I'm so grateful your counselor was so honest with you or where you were at and you were able to accept that reality and make the changes you needed to make because, I mean, I know you have still, I'm sure, experienced moments of grief, but 
you just look so full of life. You truly do. And I mean, you're just, you're radiant. And I, I look back at seasons of me when I was in bad relationships and I just look so unhealthy, you know? Uh, I look so much healthier now, so much more full of life. It has nothing to do with uh, the size I am or the acne on my skin or anything. It's just really just a radiance. It's a joy. It's a, it's a freedom. And so from a friend to a friend, you look amazing. And I, I don't just mean that um, in a youthful way, like I just said, but in a radiant way. And so for those who are listening, who are in a really, really tough spot, man, there is so much hope for you. Do not give up hope for what's to come, even if it means a relationship is ending. Hope for your future and what God has for you. Um, I love this quote, and I think it's really good. It says, maybe it is possible to end a relationship being honest about what wasn't healthy and still celebrating what is good. For those who are grieving the loss of a relationship, is it possible to do that, to be honest about the reality, but to still celebrate uh, what was good? Sadie, I love that. And, you know, when I researched where did the word goodbye come from, it came from a statement that people used to say a long time ago, and it was, God be with ye. Wow. And then it was shortened to God, B, W, Y, and then it was shortened to goodbye. Wow. And so when I started to realize that the original intent of the word goodbye was God be with ye, I had a marked moment in my closet where it was the day, I'll never forget it. It was the day I finally took my wedding ring off and I knew it would be the last time. And so obviously it was such an emotional moment. And I took my childhood Bible and I tucked my wedding ring inside the pages of my childhood Bible, marking two really crucial moments in my life. You know, the fact that I was a little girl who had read scriptures hoping for a certain life. And then here I am as an adult accepting a life that is still beautiful and still good, but it just doesn't look like I thought that it would. Mm -hmm. And I, as I tucked the ring in the Bible, I just said, Lord, I don't want this to just be all these memories of the heart and horrific. I, I want to know that I am keeping my heart pure and that this situation isn't turning me into someone that I was never meant to be. And so wow. I just took some, um, some of those memories, like the memory of my wedding day. And then I took, you know, maybe a memory from my honeymoon. I took a memory of, you know, when we were raising our kids and I took a memory of just some beautiful moments that we had. And then I acknowledged the hard and horrific that we've been through. And I pictured myself taking all of those things, the good, the bad, and the ugly, placing them in Jesus's hands and saying, goodbye, goodbye, God be with you, goodbye. Wow. Gosh, that's so powerful. Thank you for sharing that as a um, beautiful, a beautiful picture of what it looks like and what it really means to say goodbye. And um, I just love that you've really leaned into the Lord during this and, and even through the end of this, because I think a lot of times these are the moments that you turn from God, but these are really the moments you have to turn to Him. And so it's really powerful to see ways that you've brought Him into that pain. Um, last quote I'll say, then then we can end. I mean, I can't, I can't even just say how much this has meant to me and to people who are listening. But the last thing I love is you say, we will always desperately want from other people what we fear we will never get from God. 
And um, that's a really powerful quote. And that's very, very true. But I love how in that moment of your um, probably a lot of fears of letting go of what was what was, but leaning into to who is the great I am. Um, what have you learned about God through the process of setting boundaries and saying goodbye? Sadie, I have three statements that I try to incorporate into my prayers every single day. God, you are good. God, you are good to me. And God, you are good at being God. And the reason why I think those are so important is that I want to establish the lens through which I look at my life each day, stating that God is good. God is good to me. Even when things don't feel good, even when life doesn't feel good, even when people aren't being good to me, God, you are good. You are good to me. And you are good at being God. And I need that to be the lens through which I look through to my circumstances. Because if I start at my circumstances and focus on those, then I start to try to determine, is God faithful? Is God good? And it takes away some of my spiritual confidence. And and it takes away some of my awareness of looking for the faithfulness of God throughout my day. And so it's really important, I think, that we go ahead and state, God is good. God is good to me. God is good at being God. And then we assess our problems through that reality. That is good. I'm going to bring that into our marriage, Christian and I, because we've been talking about this a lot this year. We walked through a couple of really hard things this year. Um, we had a, a situation where Honey was in the hospital and a lot of just really scary things that we walked through. She's totally fine now. We're past that. That was this past year, last year. and um, But what we were so surprised by was how much it shook us in our faith. And we both had never really struggled um, with doubting God's goodness or anything like that. But there was just a certain series of events that just kept happening that got both of us really in a, in a hard spot. And we heard this sermon about Ben Stewart at Passion, and he said something so powerful. He said, in the moment where uh, the disciples are on the boat with Jesus and the storm's coming and they're freaking out about the storm and trying to wake him up and and then he, you know, wakes up and he rebukes the the wind and the the waves are still and all of a sudden the storm goes away. Um, and he's like, why are y'all afraid? Like, why are y'all panicking? And Ben said, you know, so many times we do what the disciples are that, that did is we're more certain of the power of the storm than the power of God in the boat. And I thought, whoa, that is what we've been doing. We've been more certain about the things, the power behind the things that are coming at us than certain about the goodness of God. And we both said, we were like, we will not be a family that doubts God good, God's goodness when storms come. We're not going to be a family that doubts God's faithfulness and goodness when hard things come our way because we live in a broken, sinful world. And so we're going to bring those three statements into our marriage as just a, a, a powerful truth of this is true. This is the trust we have in our God, despite what, you know, wind and waves are right in front of us. And so thank you for that, for passing on that wisdom. I look forward to taking that into my prayer life. And Lisa, again, I can't tell you how much this means to me. I know so many people listening are already uh being awakened to the freedom that's possible uh, to, yes, it's going to be a long road. There's grief involved. There's hard things, but you have given us such biblical truth about how to walk this out in such a healthy way. And so thank you for who you are. Thank you for the advice you give, the love you pour out. Uh, So grateful for you and your whole family and your ministry and um, just cheering you on and all the things, friend. 
Well, thank you, Sadie. And my family just loves you to pieces. My girls, you have been like a mentor to them and a beautiful peer example of what it means to love the Lord and walk faithfully with the Lord. So I love you, love your whole family. And it was such a joy to be with you today. Thank you, Fred. We love you.